Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. So welcome to the first in a multi-part series that's going to discuss the brand new as of April 2019, uh, April 30th, uh, 2019 was when I became aware of it, uh, new memoranda from our friends at the U.S. Department of Justice Criminal Division uh, entitled Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs, which I believe is the same title as the prior memo that came into effect in February of 2017 that this one is, I believe, meant to supersede um, and uh, uh, replace. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about, uh, but let's start at the beginning. There is an introduction. Uh, if you remember, there was an introduction on, in the 2017 memo, uh, but this one is uh, uh, talks a little bit about the different strands that this memo is meant to bring together. Uh, the U.S. Attorney's Manual, uh, the Sentencing Guidelines Standards, uh, a recent memo um, uh, uh, regarding the use of corporate compliance monitors. It's meant to be, uh, I think, an amalgam of a lot of different standards that have existed for a while or are relatively recent. Uh, what's particularly interesting if you look at the introduction on page one of the memo, and by the way, this memo will be uh, uh, linked in all of these podcasts in the show notes if you want to find it. Um, <clears throat> Uh, if you are getting this podcast off of iTunes or some other system where you don't see the show notes or you don't know how to find the show notes, if you go to the Justice Department website, justice.gov uh, backslash criminal dash fraud dash page dash file dash 937501 dash download, that is the actual address. I just want you to be able to find it because it is um, going to be very important uh, for all of us moving forward now in evaluating our programs uh, uh, against this standard. <clears throat> in uh, the page one, uh, second couple, the, 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 the paragraphs towards the end of page one, uh, we really get to the statement of purpose here, uh, what the uh, department is expecting. Uh, they expect that this memo is meant to assist prosecutors in a couple of different situations. Uh, the first is to evaluate the extent of the corporation's effective compliance program at the time of the offense and at the time of the charging decision or resolution of the case. So they're not only using these standards, this is something to keep in mind, they're not only planning to use these standards when evaluating where you are today when you're um, presumably dealing with the Department of Justice, if that ever is to happen, uh, but, but also looking at the state of the program when the misconduct or, or issue that potentially rose to a criminal uh, violation happened. So for most organizations, uh, you're going to be using this memo as a, a standard. Uh, so you're not ever going to fall into that first group, at least hopefully not fall into that first group where you're having to make, um, uh, make some sort of mitigation argument to the department about the state of your program at the time of the violation. So 
there's kind of two different groups where th uh, of, of organizations that this memo uh, is going to be useful for. One is the, that organization or those organizations that find themselves uh, in that un uncomfortable position of having to defend their program. And in that case, you're going to have to defend your program now and defend your program at the time of the alleged um, uh, conduct that, that potentially could be criminal. If you are simply using this standard to evaluate and um, uh, improve your current program uh, independent of any kind of uh, uh, in, uh, external investigation by a regulator or the Department of Justice, you don't really necessarily uh, need to worry about the first case. So that's interesting. Um, the reasoning uh, that the, the department gives for putting together this memo uh, comes in three parts. Uh, one is to resolve any potential uh, prosecution or, or investigation. The second is to determine a uh, monetary penalty. Now, where that comes from is whether you have an effective compliance program or not, uh, determ it helps determine your guideline calculation under the sentencing guidelines. Uh, so uh, the resolution of the case, not only as to whether you need to make uh, remedial efforts on your compliance program, or, uh, but, but also uh, makes a determination of the severity of the other punishment the organization might receive under the sentencing guidelines. And I think uh, we did a podcast a few weeks ago talking about the sentencing guidelines, uh, sort of uh, hidden facts uh, around the organizational sentencing guidelines. And one of the things that I uh, talked about a little bit there um, it applies here, I think, too. When you're talking about the sentencing guidelines or the Department of Justice uh, promulgating a memo like this memo, uh, for the most part, it only really applies, or it applies specifically, as probably the better way to put it, for organizations that find themselves uh, facing a prosecution or facing sentencing in the case of sentencing guidelines. So they, it talks about things that aren't necessarily going to be of moment for an organization that's just using it as a standard. Uh, things like, you know, calculating monetary penalties. Uh, that's not really of moment for most organizations that are going to review this memo and use it as a standard, obviously. And then the third thing is... Uh, complying with compliance obligations contained in any uh, resolution of a, of a criminal case. So that would be your non-prosecution, deferred prosecution agreement um, uh, that might uh, arise, again, uh, from, from a situation where this, this memorandum specifically applies because your organization is facing allegations of criminal conduct. So always keep that in mind. When you're, whether you're dealing with the sentencing guidelines or dealing with this, the guidance from the Department of Justice, it specifically applies if you are an organization that is facing investigation for criminal conduct, uh, but it generally applies as a standard for all organizations. I think that's a good way to perceive it and look at it. The last paragraph is uh, similar to the discussion was in the prior memo in uh, providing the, the caveat, the main caveat, which is uh, this uh, the material that's contained in this memo is not a, uh, a checklist. Um, you remember we made much hay out of the fact that there were little check boxes, and those check boxes still remain in this memo, by the way. Um, uh, but that the, uh, the preamble of the prior memo 
made much uh, made made a specific point to say this is not a checklist. This is not a rigid as as the terminology is used in this memo, not a rigid formula to assess the effectiveness of a corporate compliance program, uh, recognizing that every organization is different, um, and that uh, and here's the important part: the department makes an individualized determination in each case. So uh, this is telling you two things. One is uh, these expectations aren't going to work specifically for every organization. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, in, in a podcast a few weeks ago about uh, how the sentencing guidelines, for example, make a distinction between large and small organizations and their relative uh, complexity and, and type of compliance program you would have. Uh, that is one point that's being made here. The other point, and this is always a point that you will see from prosecutors, is that uh, they are going to make an indivi individualized in, uh, determination in each case, which means that even if you go through this checklist and you feel like you're ironclad 100% on all of the different topics, you can answer all the questions uh, completely, that does not mean that the Department of Justice will uh, determine that your program is effective. They're going to make their own determination. This is consistent. The department will not uh, ever in a uh, guidance document like this allow itself to be nailed down to a particular position, and that's to be expected. So keep that in mind as well. This is guidance. This is not, uh, this is not a, uh, a roadmap to avoiding prosecution necessarily or having, or more specifically, having your program deemed effective uh, by a prosecutor. Uh, it's guidance, and, and, and they will not go any further than that. The next part, which I mentioned in the uh, preamble um, announcement uh, podcast that just went up a couple days ago or maybe earlier today, depending on when I get this podcast up, um, the, 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 they revert or go back to the three fundamental risk-based questions uh, for uh, evaluating a, a, a compliance program uh, that were um, – have been around for a while, but were probably most prominently memorialized in the FCPA guidance back in 2012. And those three questions uh, determine the organization of the rest of this memoranda, uh, and they group all of the other queries about the effect, the, all the other queries about your compliance program under these three overarching questions or queries. And they are: is is the compliance program well designed? Is the program being applied earnestly and in good faith, or in other words, uh, being implemented effectively? And does the uh, compliance program work? Uh, in the uh, preliminary podcast, I suggested that this really boils down to three concepts, design, implementation, and effectiveness. So if you want to have your triad here of, of, of concepts that they're really going for, it's looking into your design looking into the implementation of your design, and then whether you've evaluated the effectiveness. Um, just using code of conduct as an example here, this is something I've talked about quite a bit. I think the traditional way we've approached uh, putting together uh, different parts of our compliance program really focused on that second question, on implementation. It was all about uh, drafting and, and launching that code of conduct or, or putting together uh, the new training and launching that training. And re really where where a lot of programs are not as well developed 
are on that first and third question, which is design, really looking into the methodology, uh, the risk assessment that, that happened to, prior to you implementing that part of the program that uh, helped, you, helped you better design the program. Uh, and then that third piece, which is evaluating effectiveness after the fact. Uh, we're really good at implementation. Um, implementation is pretty mature in the compliance realm. Uh, uh, focusing on methodology and design um, and risk assessment uh, is, uh, depending on the organization, maybe more or less mature, but certainly not as mature as implementation for most organizations. And then evaluation uh, is probably the weakest. Um, and we'll talk more about that uh, in this podcast and future podcasts as we walk through this memo and, and certainly talk about other aspects of compliance programs. But, but that's, I, I think, it's an important thing to understand that uh, the department and other regulators who are going to use this guidance as, as a blueprint, so you can expect, I, I, am, I would imagine, that the uh, SEC and other alphabet soup agencies here in the United States are going to have, uh, if they don't follow this memo uh, specifically, are going to have something very similar and are going to have similar expectations around uh, not just implementation, but what was what work went into designing and putting together uh, the program? Uh, what was that based on? Was that a risk-based uh, 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 process or not? And then lastly, uh, how have you evaluated? How have you uh, tested your program specifically? Not just, well, we haven't had a failure. That's not, that's not, um, uh, really evaluating the effectiveness of your program. Just the fact that, that you don't know, and, 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 and that's, let's be honest, uh, the fact that you haven't had a failure means that you just don't know whether you've had a failure <coughs> for the most part. Um, that's not effective evaluation. So those are the threshold questions, and, and they're really important, and that's how uh, the rest of the memoranda is uh, is. Uh, designed and um, um, uh, uh, organized. Um, so I'm going to stop there because I think that that's a lot of material just about the introduction and about sort of the philosophy behind this and understanding uh, what the specific purpose of this, do of this document is versus the general purpose that we might all use it for as a standard. Um, I think that's an important thing to understand. Understanding these key questions uh, and why, and, 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 and here's the other thing too. I think it's important for us to recognize that the Department of Justice has gone back and um, I wouldn't say grafted on, but, but uh, uh, merged these three topics around a, a, a risk-based compliance program uh, along with all of the uh, evaluation criteria that were in the original memo in 2017. So that's the biggest change here. The biggest change is organizing it around these three principles. So that should tell us something, right? These three principles are important. And we need to focus on uh, how we design our programs, how we implement our programs, and how we evaluate our programs, and make sure that we have appropriate resources for all three of those important aspects of a program and be able to um, uh, present our program through that lens if we ever need to 
uh, to show effectiveness. That's really important. So uh, next time, we're going to talk about design. We're going to talk about the first piece. Uh, so say, stay tuned. I'm going to dig into this a little bit more. Uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, they're citing a couple of different uh, resources that we've certainly seen them cite in the past. Uh, but we're going to talk in depth about design next time as we walk through this new and very, very interesting document that the Department of Justice has provided us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.